Hey there guys, I go by the name of Adrian Daniels. Uh, this is your first time listening to The Sound of Accra. Welcome. Um, this is the show where we chat with top founders, entrepreneurs and creators from a gardening background or interest. And we leave you with meaningful takeaways that you can apply in life, business and career. Um, today's host, today's guest, sorry. I'm sat here with William Atwasi. He's the founder and CEO of Vitae London. Um, before I get into his bio and we have a conversation with William, just wanted to let you guys know that you can head over to today's show notes by going to thesoundofacrowd.com forward slash William. That's W-I-L-L-I-A-M. So uh, William Adwasi, of course, is a British Ghanaian entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, philanthropist, vocalist, fashion designer, who is the founder and CEO of the Innovator Watch brands, as I've just mentioned, Vita London. He's also been featured in the Forbes 25 leading black Black British business people to follow. He's been mentored by Richard Branson, selected as a 2016 Virgin Startup Ambassador, and also Vitae London watches have been sold in over 30 countries and have provided over 5,000 educational resources to underprivileged children across Sub-Saharan Africa. What a fantastic CV, William, <laughs> to the show. How are you feeling, my brother? I'm feeling good. Thanks so much for having me, man. Man, it's great to have you on the show. I mean, you've done a lot. I've, I've heard about you um, way back 2016, 2017, when I listened to a few of my friends' podcasts, as we discussed before the mm. show started as well. I also like to thank Tevin for the um, for the intro of Thousand Voices. Thank you, Tevin. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, um, I think I like to do things a little bit differently in the show. People like to go in a chronological order and I like to, you know, see where you kind of grow up and then and, and then they kind of mm. fast track to where you are today. But I like to kind of maybe shake things up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, um, I just want to start off with just kind of going straight into um, Vita London. I mean, what's talk us through the name of Vita London and how you came up with the name and inspiration behind come up with the, the brand. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, the name was inspired by a Latin word, funnily mm. enough. Um, obviously, Latin is the foundation for a lot of languages, especially across, yeah, across, across the Western world. Um, mm. And that was the main market we were obviously going to target. Um, um, Vitae is actually Latin for life okay. and yeah from the inception of the business um, we've always been inspired to make a positive impact and to in essence change lives hence Vitae mm -hmm. um, so yeah that's where the name stemmed from um, London obviously where I, I was born and raised um, yeah so Vitae London in essence is the origins of the brand name okay got you so that's that's kind of like where the name came from so because you're raised in london of course vitae life you just mm. kind of put it together you've mm. lived your life in london yeah i think yeah. that's a nice kind of name to kind of think of because um different people go through different processes no to come doubt up with names no doubt yeah i just love how that little story how her name came about no doubt um so of, of course um you've of course just i mentioned in the intro i mean you've achieved quite a lot um congratulations again to all the success you've, you've achieved you've definitely been inspiration to all of us just to see you know how you've risen up to where you are today you. um but of course like um to make that to make that um success that you achieved like it wasn't kind of um always easy um so let, let's let's talk about through the transition from of course you living in council in the council estates to where you got to be tied today mm. um what would you say um what would you say life was like when you're living around the council council estates and what was like your upbringing in terms of like your family and, yeah. and all of that stuff so in terms of upbringing um i'm first born of seven children mm -hmm. um yeah uh, both my parents are from ghana mm -hmm. my dad is um an, an ashanti and an achim man um <laughs> from reach he's from two places a place called kofrojura okay. and a place called asamankasi okay um so that's my dad's background my mum is ada Okay. Um, so yeah, um, we're from a, a village in Ada called Dogo. Okay. So that's yeah, th those are my kind of my my real origins, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. A couple of years before I was born, mm -hmm. parents moved to the UK, moved to South London, um, and yeah, South London was all I know. And yeah, you ask about my experience in the council estates, and I don't yeah, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily see it as a negative experience there yeah. were, there are obviously negative elements to the environment yeah but i think there was actually a lot of beauty to the environment as well mm. i think my kind of understanding of community mm. largely stems from both the church and from growing up on the council estate mm. and yeah being able to like I, I think life has changed a lot now but when i was young we were just constantly out all just together playing having a good time 
it got a bit trickier when we got older um <laughs> as you know with yeah. yeah any 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 council estate or any area like that yeah yeah there are always going to be some kind of problems there are always going to be some kind of issues yeah but on the whole um i would say i, I loved my experience growing up there i loved mm. the, I, like i'm in contact with so many people i grew up with yeah. in that same area to to this day so i'm very very proud of where i've come from proud of where i grew up um at the age of 11 mm. i actually got a scholarship to go to a boarding school mm-hmm. um so that was that was a real eye opener i think that was the first time i actually identified that there were differentiating factors in the world like there were there was like this uneven playing field that mm. i didn't even know existed mm. so yeah, obviously, if you're on the estate, it's all you know. So you, you think this is everything. But yeah, going to boarding school was definitely a an eye-opening experience mm-hmm. just to be able to see how other people lived. Having yeah. a good friend, and I'd go to his house, and his mum was like one of the biggest entrepreneurs in Birmingham. And, wow. she's, and at home in London, there's nine of us in this like really small apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm here in Birmingham with my friend, and there's three of them in this like 10 bedroom mansion <laughs> and it's just like just that juxtaposition yeah. in my life was was super interesting to see and i think to be honest i i kind of developed a chip on my shoulder from a young age mm. um and i think once you're exposed to another world or once you're exposed to the potential it it does inspire you to think okay what what is possible yeah so i'm, I'm definitely grateful for that experience too yeah there were negatives of the experience, of mm. course. Um, I remember one time we went to go play a game of rugby and we ended up losing the game, which was very rare to us. Um, we didn't really field our strongest team because I think we underestimated the opposition. Mm-hmm. So we lose the game and then there's an argument that ensues afterwards. Yeah. And then someone from my team refers to the other team as council estate scum. Whoa. Because we just we oh, were no. just playing local school. We weren't playing like the prestigious schools we yeah. usually play. Yeah. And I don't think I even reacted at the time. I must have been about 13 or 14. Okay. Um, but I think just hearing that, yeah, it embedded something in my mind. And I think it further adds to me having that chip on my shoulder because I was like, they have no clue that I'm competing with them in everything. When it comes to sports, yeah. academia, everything, I'm yeah. competing with you. But you think because someone's from a council estate that they're lower. Yeah. And yeah, so I think I've always had it, had it, in my life that I want, I have a bit of a point to prove, yeah. which isn't always positive. It can maybe drive you in the wrong way at times, but yeah, I've always had kind of a point to prove. Um, mm. Fast forward, college uh, was spent in London. University, I did a year initially. Mm-hmm. I quit. I started my first business mm-hmm. at the age of 19, which was a sports academy. Yeah, um, I just had loads of friends with yeah sporting qualifications that were doing nothing with it. So I rallied them together at first and then got an office, put ads on Gumtree, <laughs> brought in loads of other random people who had free time on their hands mm. and then started selling those services into local schools as like after school clubs. So I ran that for three years. It was doing well, six figure company, but we found a loop where we were encouraging the schools to in essence draw funding from the government for us to be able to do these after school clubs. And then the government pulled that funding. So then our business model didn't really make sense anymore. So after that, age around 21, 22, I went back to complete my degree part-time. And then I worked full-time as firstly an insurance broker and then a recruitment consultant. Um, And then in 2016, when I was, yeah, 26, I decided to quit it all to start a watch company. So that's, that's, (laughs) yeah, that's a a quick overview of, of how I got to Vitae. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible that um, the the journey that you've gone on. I mean, I guess it's an unorthodox journey. I mean, I mean, typically, first of all, going to boarding school, and I I, I presume most of the people in boarding school are white, and yeah, a few yeah, of them are black. For sure. So again, that's that's a new experience, and then also um, after boarding school, you know, of course, you've you've gone on to do other things, you know, and then you start your business, and for sure. Know, you know, you didn't, of course, you didn't finish university or whatever it was. And then you went on to start this other business and then you went on to Vita London. I mean, you definitely took a an, an, an unorthodox path to, um, you know, to, 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 um, to work or business. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, of course, we talked about your upbringing and of course, you've got Ghanaian parents. I've got Ghanaian parents <laughs> as well. And, you know, when I went to, you 
university, I mean, I, I took two subjects. I wanted to be a music producer and then I also wanted to kind of do business around it. So I took music technology and I took business management really? because um, I wanted to appease my parents for one mm, of the subjects. Mm, mm. So I did a dual honors <laughs> to try and appease Smart. them so they don't get you know angry. And um, I'm sure you, you've had that kind of upbringing where um, your parents supported you no matter what you, you mm. decided to do. But it's quite interesting because, you know, people go through university and then they want to, they just go through, everyone just goes through this path in life where um, it, everyone just follows the crowd essentially. Mm. But you kind of t took a, a detour and you went through this different, but no, I'm, actually I see opportunity. I'm going to take the opportunity and I'm going to start something. Yeah, I wouldn't say my parents were in favor of it. Really? Um, no, they weren't. <laughs> to be honest, so going through the journey, like, there were there there have been parts of me that haven't been fully honest with them. Mm. So when I first quit uni, yeah, I was getting up and going to my office. They were assuming I was going to uni. Oh, so, um, <laughs> and it wasn't until I re-enrolled like a couple years later, yeah, that I was able to break things down to them in terms of structure, mm -hmm. how I'm going to finish my degree, blah blah blah. Yeah, because that was very key to them. Yeah, and then also when I started Vite, my dad was not in favor of it, mm. um, because I was working a job in the city, yeah. doing recruitment. I was making good money. Mm -hmm. um, I was pretty good at it. So I was making a lot of good commission as well. Mm -hmm. um, so he saw the money I was bringing in. So he was just like, why on earth would you quit this good job to now go and start selling watches? Like, yeah. what do you know about watches? Like, <laughs> he was, he just did not understand that like, he couldn't even comprehend it, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I say all that to say that if you're out there and you've, you've got an idea and you've got a vision, mm. just know that other people may not comprehend it to be that no one knows what's in your mind yeah and no one knows what's in your heart and don't take that don't take offense to that um just see that as motivation to build because as you build the more you build out the structure the more the architect and the builders work together and build out the structure and you're starting to see it you can visualize what the architect had in mind yeah so the more i'm building this business out yeah my parents uh, anyone else who was a naysayer yeah. will now begin to understand more what was in my mind True. and then little indications like being mentored by richard branson and all these other little things that happen yeah i think sparked something in my dad like okay he might actually be on a good path yeah but to be real at first he was just he was confused <laughs> it didn't make any sense to him sometimes you just got to show people um your journey and yeah. um, what you're what you're doing and then once they see you kind of like hitting these milestones then they wake up and they, they're like oh okay cool like he's actually onto something no Let doubt support him no doubt um, let's 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 stop up watching richard richard branson i mean you talked about him you know, watches and you know how you kind of start off the business um why why did you decide to choose watches i mean did you have a passion for watches yeah uh, it's funny i was looking through some old facebook pictures the other day yeah and i was just looking at my swag when i was younger like <laughs> in my teens and stuff like that and yeah i always had some kind of casio or g-shock watch on no matter what <laughs> and it and i was this nerd for color combinations yeah so if i was wearing a yellow new era cap my mm. g-shock had to be yellow or like <laughs> I, I was just I've, I've always been a nerd for that kind of thing so yeah. from a young age I've always loved watches I've always collected them mm. I've always been fascinated by them yeah and to be honest when I first started Vitae it was going to be a clothing brand oh. so I started building that for about three to six months built the website got prototypes mm -hmm. I did all the background work for it yeah we were two seconds literally ready to launch websites ready mm -hmm. then I was like I know a million and one people on this path. Yeah. Um, and there's still room in the path. People can still excel in it. But I was like, what can I do that's distinctively different? Mm. And what can I do that aligns more with what I actually, what I care about? And watches was, yeah, I've always loved watches. So I, at that point I started researching. Um, I started researching on watches. I started, yeah, diving deep to, to understand and to comprehend how I could get into that space. I got the first set of samples in. Um, and then, yeah, once I was happy with th that design, I enhanced it a, a little bit better, used some money I saved up to get the first batch of watches in, and the rest is history. So, yeah, that's the journey into watches. Okay. And what would you say you have in your, what does your watch collection look like today? Like, in, in terms of my personal watch collection yeah i mean yeah. what does that look like in terms of maybe like types of watches maybe mm. the brands yeah maybe the colors to know. be honest i'm i'm purely vitae now okay. um i 
I, yeah, I I only really wear my own watches at the moment. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's good, bad, if that's arrogant, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, personally, wear our watches. I I've done a lot of designs over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like six six years deep. We usually do at least two drops a year mm-hmm. minimum. So there's been loads of drops over the years. In more recent years, I've been able to develop a bit more higher end watches. So we've got some automatic watches in the collection. Mm-hmm. I wear those literally every day now. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, those are the watches I draw for. I've got them in different color combinations to to match different outfits. So yeah, similar to when I was that thirteen year old kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's quite interesting. You, you mentioned you know you you just wear your own watches, and I guess because you own your own brand, your own company. I mean, why would you want to wear someone else's? You mm. want to. You also want to. Be, you always want to be an advocate for your mm. own brand. For sure. I mean, I like. I like the nice placement you did in your own music video. Mm. You know, <laughs> let's get away. I mean, yeah. I really love that song. Very Thank catchy you. hook. Thank you very much. Um, again, multi-talented, multi-faceted person. Um, so yeah, I mean, it does make sense. I mean, if you have your own watch brand, why are you going to wear somebody else's watch? It mm. doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you know, just the curiosity in me was like, oh, maybe this guy has a little watch collection stacked away somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, over time, <laughs> I, like I'm a lover of watches, so I, I think I do want to get into my own collection over time. Yeah. I appreciate other designers. Mm. And, so yeah, I, I definitely will. But yeah, as I'm building and I'm grinding, it's yeah. it's purely Vitae. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about watches. You mentioned automatic watches. Mm. Um, for those that aren't really watch savvy, maybe could you like talk us through maybe different types of watches out there? Of course, there? of course. Especially so, maybe in your kind of, because you're in the luxury market, right? Yeah. yeah. I, so there's there's different yeah markets for watches. So there's obviously your smart watches, mm-hmm. which is its whole new realm and market. Fitness smart, which would come under smart. Mm-hmm. Then you could delve into... Um, digital watches which is another area mm-hmm. and then analog watches which are your classic watches yeah. and within analog there's like again there's different there's totally different realms within it you've got yeah. you've got your high-end luxury mm. you've got your um yeah your Audemars you've got your Rolexes you've got the watches that range from minimum 5 to 10k upwards mm. um so you say that those would be high-end um and then you have your middle range watches um, and our, our um, automatic watches would probably come under that kind of vein. So you've got high-end, um, middle range. We're virgin between high-end and middle with our automatic watches. And then you've got fashion watches. Um, so, yeah, high-end, middle range, fashion. And then within fashion, there's like <laughs> there's low-end fashion watches, which are like £30, £40. And then there's higher-end fashion watches, which are like, 200 to 500 pounds for instance so we would yeah we would classify ourselves either high-end fashion for our standard collections or uh, middle to high-end um, premium for our premium collections um so yeah th- those that's like the different classifications of watches thank you now thank you for that quick breakdown i think it's always nice to learn you know kind of like how the watch market works and you know where each each watch kind of sits in the market I mean I mean there's so many watches out there. I mean so many you got Apple watch Casio we've talked about Rolex okay. so many watches out there. So it's always good to learn like where each of them sits in the market I know um, when you first started um, your, your company I mean you took you took um, funds that you'd saved from working mm. um, what was that like you know like taking that leap of faith saving up you know thousands of pounds to, to put into your own watch brand and then you know put every put everything on the line I heard maybe it was maybe it was even some of your own savings yeah, between yeah. you and your wife yeah. to put all the all in the line on one company what was that like taking that leap of faith yeah um taking that taking that leap of faith was was very interesting it was very very interesting um yeah luckily my partner at the time was was for it was happy for me to take that leap mm-hmm. um and yeah I again I was working in sales so mm. I stacked up a lot of money yeah. um from from doing that I say a lot of money it felt like a lot to me at the time but it was only around our initial capital was around 7,000 8,000 pounds quite modest um so yeah I I stacked off that money and for me I think my mindset has always been why not as opposed to looking at the the concerns or the issues or my my mindset's always been why not so I yeah I, I kind of approach it with the mindset that I genuinely believe my designs are are better or as good as a lot of people in the market 
I genuinely believe the fact that we give back gives us an edge. Yeah. I genuinely believe I can produce with higher end materials as well than our competitors at similar price point. Mm-hmm. So if I'm giving back, the product quality is better, the design is better, and it's a similar price point. Yeah. Why would it not work? That that's that was my mindset. Of course, mm-hmm. there's hindrances as you start the journey. You realize why it could not work. You realize yeah. the difficulties. Yeah. But I think there's beauty in the naive. Um, naivety in the early stages of building the business um so yeah so yeah so at that at at that point i just i i didn't really see it as being brave often people when i meet them or talk to them and tell them my journey they're like you're brave blah 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 yeah i just saw it as worst case scenario Mm -hmm. this goes all belly up i'll go get another job i'll save money up again i would have lost a bit of time but i would have gained loads of experience so yeah, I just try to approach new opportunities with that mindset. I love the mindset, um, especially, especially of course, like I've got friends that they start businesses or they want to start business, but what holds them back, maybe they're married or kids. And mm. then for them, there's a lot more on the line. Mm, but mm. for you, it's quite, it's quite um, applaudable that you, you, you took that step and, mm. you know, you got the approval from your wife and mm. you did that. And then of course, you know, the, the, the gambles paid off because, you know, of mm. course, recently you've, I've heard you've crossed over a million dollars in sales. Mm. So well done, Thank congratulations! You. Thank you. Um, yeah, and then let's let's talk about um, work, Richard Branson. So, um, of course, you raised. Of course, you put in seven grand of your own money into this watch brand, and you got some prototypes through, and then you start to kind of get a collection through. Um, in what role? What role did Virgin Stars play in terms of the next step in your journey? Yeah. So in year, I think it was year one. Mm-hmm. Um, we applied to get some uh, like a startup loan from Virgin. Mm-hmm. So I think about ten thousand people applied, and they gave the loan out to a thousand people. Yeah. So after the seven thousand, that was our next bit of money. Was was twenty twenty four k that we got from okay. from from them, and yeah, so that really helped us get in more stock, scale things, boost things in different areas, um, and that was that was beautiful. And then out of the thousand people that received funding. They wanted to choose 12 to become Virgin Startup Ambassadors. So in in essence, ambassadors for entrepreneurship in the UK, mm-hmm. encouraging more people to run startups and then obviously pointing them towards Virgin if they wanted to yeah. get loans or, or any capital. Um, so yeah, out of the thousand, thankfully I was chosen as one of 12 to become ambassadors. And then Amazing. as part of that, we got to meet Richard Branson. We Amazing. Yeah, we went to his house in Oxford. Not neck and um, minute, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Would you have wished for that? I, of course, 100%. <laughs> if he calls me today to come neck, I'll go run. Um, but yeah, we went to see his house in Oxford, which mm. was, was still mind-blowing. Like <laughs> you drive into, you drive past the gate, you know you're on his compound, but you're driving for ages before you even see the first property. Stop it. And then you see one, then you see another. Then, That's insane. And I think he even just took us to some converted barn that he just made look incredible. Just for fun. Just for fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had breakfast with him, mm-hmm. met him for the first time. And then out of the 12, they chose two people to get some one-on-one mentoring with him nice. and to also interview him. Yeah. And I was chosen as one of the two. So yeah, that was my journey with kind of connecting with Richard Branson um on stage i basically when i met him the first time i really wanted to give him a watch yeah but there was like security around there was this whole entourage around oh, so okay there was 12 of us we all got to speak to him but we yeah. didn't really get dedicated time like i would have hoped for yeah so and then the day ended quicker than i thought it would yeah. so i didn't get to give him a watch mm-hmm. so when i got selected to interview him mm-hmm. and get that one-on-one mentoring i just i was just i was being a bit cheeky i was like yeah there's a few hundred people in this room. There's no way he's going to reject a young entrepreneur giving him a product True. in front of all these people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got one on him. Um, <laughs> so I'm interviewing him. I'm like, actually, I've yeah. got a watch for you. So I yeah. pop it out. I give it to him. But I, I, I don't know how. I, I, yeah, like I, I don't know how he did it. Um, to this day, it still baffles me, to be honest. <laughs> but he was, I think he, I think he had come with the intention to buy one of my watches anyway. Yeah. So after I had done pulled that stunt, yeah. he was like, "Oh, um, I actually know how much your watches cost. So here's a word of cash." Oh wow! Because he was like, "Entrepreneurs <laughs> should never give away their best assets for free." I'm oh. like, "Okay, all right." So he gave me a word of cash, yeah. And then he took off his personal watch and was like, "Oh, and you, yeah, hold this. You can auction it or whatever you want to do." With oh, it. he gave you his his own his, watch his own oh. personal watch, wow. and I was just like, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Speechless. Thanks. thanks. So to this day, that watch is in my house right now. So that's in your collection. Yeah, that's okay, that's in my collection. I could have I could have spoken about that earlier. It's okay. That's something special. <laughs> that's that's a special moment. That's 100%. something you hold dear to your heart. Hundred so. percent. So yeah, that's yeah that that's there. Mm. Um, and I think the biggest learning I got from that whole experience was his genius mind, especially when it comes to PR. Yeah, he's always looking for opportunities of PR. Like he's always looking for them, creating them. Like this, this thing I thought I was using, he used it. The next day, I was front page on the Virgin website. There was a whole wow. article from him about yeah. how he met a young entrepreneur and, <laughs> and that exchange between us. And I just thought it was powerful that, yeah, he was able to create a moment out of that. Brilliant. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, Richard Branson is, of course, he's, he's up there, right? And, mm. and when you get to meet him and have a one-on-one with him and be an ambassador for his company, I guess it doesn't really get better than that. Okay. And what did that do for your business, William? I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Virgin. There's so much I want to get through. Um, what did that do for you, apart from maybe receiving some funds from Virgin? After that um, meeting with Virgin or that affiliation with Virgin, what did that do for Vitae? Yeah, I think... I think that was our first major marker of credibility. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's interesting because from 2016, 2017, the business was very, very fresh. Yeah. But being uh, affiliated with someone like Richard Branson and then a few other celebrities came with time as well. Yeah. But being affiliated with someone, yeah, with someone of that nature, yeah. it just gave us a credibility beyond our years. Yeah. So even to this day, people are like, oh, how many years is Vita in? They think it's been around for 10, 15, maybe longer. Um, but it, it's being able to partner with people who are more longstanding, who do have more credibility than you may have at the time, yeah. helps to establish you. And I think we went viral when that first happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, which obviously helps to boost boost um, your reach, your audience, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was an incredible experience mm. um it was it was definitely something that changed the trajectory of our business for for good the, the money was good but i think that yeah the credibility the pr the awareness was probably even greater than 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 the funds that's amazing that's amazing so it was definitely worth you know getting involved with version 100 there's a common theme i've noticed in this conversation william you have this boldness this this inner ability to just like I want to say take risks, but calculated risks. Um, I also remember, I mean, the story about you meeting Romelu Lukaku. So mm-hmm. you can share that with the audience because mm-hmm. I love that story. Mm-hmm. And that it, it it just it just sums up kind of a part of who you are. Just this boldness and this this willing to take risks in in a society where people want to be safe. They want to be risk averse. They just mm-hmm. want to you know get get their paycheck and just get on with life and be very kind of safe and comfortable. Where do, where does this come from? Where do you think this comes from? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure of the route. Yeah. In in a weird way, I don't see myself the way other people may see me. Mm. I don't see myself as particularly bold or brave or particularly. Mm. At times, I think I I should be more brave. I think I should be more courageous for sure. Um, and I, I don't know. I think I just think of things really pragmatically, which which kind of removes removes the courage and the brave like. I'm, I don't think I'm ridiculously brave for quitting my job yeah. because pragmatically thinking if everything, as I said, goes belly up, I can get another job. Yeah. So others would see that as a risk, but I would see not taking the opportunity and trying to start the business as a greater risk than staying in a job I'm not particularly passionate about, Ooh. if that makes sense. So for me, my, what I see, I, I think I just view risks and danger a bit differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see. I saw that as more dangerous. Yeah. So it was actually less of a risk <laughs> to start my business. If, if when you look at it like that, yeah, sounds mad. But when you look at it like that, um, so yeah, that's that's just how I approach things. I, yeah. I think I I could be more courageous. I mm. think I could be more bold. I think I could be, yeah, I could be even more in people's faces. Um, there is an element of yeah, like shyness. I I have extrovert. Um, tendencies but I'm probably more of an introvert mm. um, so yeah there's elements of all of that when in the build up and makeup of myself Yeah, but yeah I, I just genuinely think I look at risks and dangers a bit differently okay 
Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. I mean, someone would, someone who, someone who found up, found out about what you're doing would say, "Why are you doing that?" And then you you'll turn around and say, "Why not?" Mm. You understand? Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of thing. Literally, literally. I def- definitely hear where you're coming from, but I mean, it's definitely. I mean, you do say you're more of an introvert, but I mean, there is definitely an extrovert side to you. I mean, of course, you've gone on to you know meet other celebrities, helped in those with Pharrell mm. or probably Lukaku mm. and other celebrities, and also. Um, that 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 side of you has also helped you to um, do do other things. I mean, um, it's it's actually wonderful this this characteristic, this trait that you have. Um, and I just want to go on and talk about um, some other things as well. So um, before before you got to Vita, I mean, there was other bit. So you talked. Okay, I think there's other businesses that you, that you ran bef- before that. Mm. Um, and of course, when you worked in your recruitment and sales, that was another stint as well. Would you say that that those skill sets that you that you developed in sales recruitment helped you with, with your business with approaching people? Ten million percent. Um, I think, yeah, I think working in a sales job is one of the greatest things you can do if you want to go down the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Um, because if you're building a business, you're in essence. There's so many elements of selling that people don't think about. You're selling to customers. Great. That's one aspect. You're selling to individuals to come on board and and work for a business that maybe doesn't have much capital, doesn't have much money. You're you're selling a vision to them. You're then in the future selling a vision to investors to put money into the company. You're, like every as even working with a, maybe a particular accountant, you need to sell that you're the kind of business they would want to work with. I, I believe sales is integral to business. Full stop. It's it's the exchange it's the selling which is which is key for a business to thrive and keep going so i think working in recruitment and in essence within recruitment i feel like you're building a business within a business you need to build out your desk get your clients get your customers you're literally building a business and Mm -hmm. i think that i think that experience and also the confidence i took from it was key for me to build vitae like i would just sit there and think I'm making all this money for these people. Like yeah. I have the ability to generate this level of income. Yeah. So even if I just generate a fraction of that, I'm going to be good. Like I'm actually going to be able to survive. So again, it stems to the why not again? Why not go for it if I'm if the evidence has shown I can generate this level of income. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think all that experience 1000% shaped <laughs> me into the person I am today. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I do like what you said that you know if if it didn't work out, you can just go back to a job. That's yeah, it, you know? and that's a skill set that is going to be with you of life. Honestly. No doubt, and it, it usually sells to something that's looked down on people as a dirty word, mm. but it's something that can take you to so many different places. It can For open sure. so many doors because of the For characteristic sure. of of the skill. Sales is in everything. Even when yeah. you're a guy and you meet a girl you like, you're, <laughs> you're you're selling what you can bring. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know the word sales sounds dirty. I get yeah. it, but you could it's synonymous with with con- convincing and 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 promoting and there's so many other words that tie into it but yeah i think it's integral to so many aspects of life yeah absolutely i mean yeah like with dating as well i mean it's like you're closing as person but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? that's what that grant cardone grant, grant cardone would say something like that you know, <laughs> you're dating someone it's like a few meetings and then you know once you get to marry you it's closing that deal and so. if if you think like that it, it's actually powerful when you're building your business and i think sometimes people market and then they they expect people to just buy their product straight away mm-hmm. but they don't realize that there's touch points yeah. they might need to go on your instagram then visit your website yeah after visiting your website they might need to go and look at some reviews mm-hmm. and it's it's all touch points yeah before they actually you clinch the deal yeah same with a girl you might need to take her to the bar and then take her for dinner and like yeah. it's all touch points that push you forward towards that end goal I'm, yeah. i don't know what <laughs> your angle might be with that girl but i'm just saying towards whatever angle that may be it's so um, true bro. so yeah it's, it, it, like yeah life is funny i just think yeah. it it all intertwines and connects in some way yeah it's so so true and this is a perfect segue back to to, to vitae so of course like it's an online store and then you also have maybe pop-ups here and there yeah we, we have pop-ups um here and there seasonally um, we were about to establish a store in central London mm-hmm. before COVID hit. Yeah. And then we, we decided to double down again on, um, online mm-hmm. and then look into retail. And then, yeah, thankfully after our, our retail focus and, and selling into retailers, 
we've been able to be stocked in the two largest US retailers. So we're in Congratulations. Um thank you. We're in Nordstrom and Macy's. I so, love Macy's. Yeah. <laughs> we're in like over forty stores out That's in America amazing. now, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna look out for it in, in Macy's and yeah, awesome. I mean it's been well overdue. I need to pick up uh, you know, a uh a model myself i no mean doubt. my birthday was just a few days ago so oh, happy birthday yeah, i was on your website <laughs> looking at the the models so you could recommend me a model no stress when um when the interview finishes no thank stress. you so much no um and yeah so i mean of course so you have a, so i think covid probably was a blessing for a lot of people especially those that had online businesses mm. and products as well mm. do you think that helped to drive sales even more because yeah. more people are online at home definitely I, I definitely feel like it helped to drive sales and also I think with everyone being at home and stewing over things, yeah, I think a lot of social issues came to yeah. the forefront. A lot of, yeah, a lot of things that if you're waking up every day, just rushing to work, rushing home, yeah. you don't have the time to really think about it. Yeah. And I think that's why there was so much power around the Black Lives Matter movement at the time. And all, all these different movements came to the forefront because people really got to sit down and actually listen to what was going on and, understand the world we were in mm -hmm. so i i think we benefited from people being at home and wanting to purchase online for sure mm. and i also think with our social impact element with the fact that we're a black owned business with, with all these other elements yeah. and all of these topics coming to the forefront i think that also worked to our benefit too mm. um people being conscious and actually thinking about their purchases yeah enable them to be pointed in our direction yeah um so that's yeah that's how i would position that Great. And in terms of purchasing the watch, I think I think one th great thing about Vitalun is the social mission as well. Yeah, that's yeah. attached with it. And what I what I really love what you're doing in terms of giving the percentage of the profits back to the sub-Saharan Africa. You know, the kids in the schools, etc., mm. etc. Et um, do you think that's that uh, that is an important driver for, for sales because people are able to attach meaning to when they're purchasing the facts? Hundred percent. Um, like I I think the fact that we give back is is beautiful in terms of seeing the impact i love that i really do love it um but again looking pragmatically even from a business perspective it makes business sense because yes although we do lose out on some profit one it gives me and my team bigger drive because there's a deeper purpose for what we're doing why we're doing what we're doing etc yeah so i think that's one key driver i would 100 percent say yeah i feel and also like a lot of the celebrities we've worked with, the influencers, the incredible people that have a similar heart to us that want to see an impact across sub-Saharan Africa. I don't think we would have got access to them without the fact that we give back. True. The heart of our company and the core of our company resonated with the heart and core of these individuals. And due to that alignment, we could have partnership. But I think outside of that alignment, we're just another watch brand. There's no drive. There's no there's th there's less alignment between us and those individuals so yeah i would say it's phenomenal that we get to make the impact and i just pray we can continue to do that for many many more years to come yeah. but on top of that yeah it makes business sense it actually yeah. helps to support the growth of the business and differentiate us in the market yeah i love i love that side of your business i mean i've seen people like Akon doing Akon Lighting Africa. Yeah, yeah, That's a yeah. great initiative as well. Did this come about by accident or or did you actually think this through when putting the piece of the pieces of the watch together, no pun intended, to for you to be able to stand out on the watch market because it's quite competitive? Yeah, um I think from a business perspective, if I'm completely honest, I was looking at USPs where we ways we could stand out, ways mm. we could be different. Yeah. But more importantly, I for me, I was working a job in the city, as I said, that I wasn't particularly passionate about. Mm. And I knew I had to have a give back element in my company. Otherwise, I, kn I knew my passion would wane. I knew like, no matter what, if, if there isn't something greater than yourself driving you, yeah, it's harder to, to get up in the morning and keep going. So yeah, from a bit of a selfish perspective, I wanted to give back so that I could always have that motivation to keep going. Yeah. Um also my my mom's from a bit of a wealthier background. Mm -hmm. uh, my granddad my granddad on my mom's side was an entrepreneur and did did really well. But my my dad's side came comes from a poorer background. Um and yeah, he often narrated the difficulties he faced in getting an education. Unfortunately, a lot of his siblings have passed away due to different things, especially the ones that didn't get to get in an education, but he was one 
think him and one other were the only ones that were able to. And his life and his trajectory yeah. is so different from the rest of his family due to yeah. him getting that education. And wow. I think, yeah, looking at my dad's story, I wanted to replicate what my dad had done in many more people across sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. It's the one region in the world where edu- where education, where poverty, sorry, has increased in the past 25 years. Yeah. And it's also the region in the world with the lowest amount of young people in primary school education. Yeah. So I think there's a direct correlation between the two. So I just wanted to build a business that stood in the gap and that, yeah, that did what my one of my dad's uncles did for him. I want to be able to do that for more young people. That's so powerful. I mean, it's so powerful what you're doing. I mean, and I can appreciate totally what you're doing. I mean, I also went to school in Ghana um, mm-hmm. for three years and um, I was able to see over the years and not even just when I went to school in Ghana, what education did for people. I mean, education, people take it for granted here in the yes, West, of right? Course, of but course. when Ghana, like literally it can be the difference between Make poverty and wealth. I mean, even my father, like um, he would used to, before he got to where he is today, he's doing really well in, in Ghana. And he used to talk to me about how he used to study under under a lantern in maybe yeah. in northern yeah. part of Ghana yeah. just yeah. to pass exams and stuff. Yeah. No electricity, no nothing. Fact. Really studied really hard, and it was the difference between wealth and poverty. Understand? But over here, people take a um, take a, take it for privilege. So for you making those difference in those kids' lives, mm. brother, I really applaud what you're doing. Thank you so much. I really applaud what you're doing, and hopefully, maybe in the future, we can discuss how you know how the Sound of Crowd podcast can collaborate and help you guys. No doubt. I know there's other organizations like Pencils of Promise. They're doing yeah. something. Yeah, similar yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, they're doing amazing. It's things. fantastic, brother, doing what you're doing. Um, you, you're not alone, and we want to support you as a community. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Uh, talk us through some of the, the watch models. So you know, you know, you have different watch models. And you have, and some of them you have like names which are quite, yeah. um, they're quite sentimental and important to you. Of course. Like, um, like for example, I think you have a one called Ada. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So yeah, all the watches have significant names. So. Mm. All of our earlier models are named after the first region we started supporting children through. Wow. Um, in, in South Africa, actually, is where we started our work. Yeah. So in, in an area called Port Elizabeth, there's a place called Klein School and there's a mm-hmm. place called Warmer. Those are like townships yeah. within Port Elizabeth. So, yeah, the, our first ever collections were named Warmer and Klein School. Mm-hmm. Um, as time's gone on and we supported other regions, we've got a ring called the, the Chefru Ring, sorry, <laughs> which is named after um, a, a place in Kamasi mm. um, where we supported children with solar lamps. Um, we've now got a, a watch called Ada, obviously <laughs> named after where where my mum's from. And Wonderful. The beauty of Ada is that there's loads of different islands. It's beautiful, but it also presents the problem of electricity. So yeah, now when I go to Adar, we got we get we get to go on a boat and and distribute these solar lamps to to young people in the region. Yeah. Um. And yeah, one of our most latest collections is the Elmington collection. Mm-hmm. That's that one's different from all the others in terms of the naming convention, mm-hmm. it, because it's actually named after the council estate I grew up on. Wonderful. So yeah, I grew up on yeah um, Elmington Estate, mm-hmm. um, Southampton Way. So literally merged between Campbell and Peckham. Yeah. And yeah, for me, I wanted to create a watch named after my estate because with that watch, you can remove the bezel and the straps. So one day your watch could be gold, the next day silver, the next day rose gold, etc. Um, so for me, yeah, I wanted to create a watch that had no limits mm. to kind of emphasize to people <laughs> from my council estate, from my background, that even though others place limits on us, there are no limits. So... That was, yeah, that was the origins of, of that collection. Very powerful. Very powerful. This just naming um, process that you have for your watches. No doubt. Very, very powerful. I mean, there is a name for each watch. That's mm. amazing. When people put on that watch, there's even more significance. 100%. Not just giving back to to, to um, kids in Africa. It's so much more than that. And yeah. And for me, it's just, it's, it, it's life is surreal at times. Yeah. Um, I went to Macy's in New York. So mm-hmm. it's like the biggest, largest store in the world. Yeah. Um. So I walk in, I go and see our watches and I'm looking at the um, Elmington watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, it's it's just strange to me that I wouldn't say I put my city on the map, but it's like, yeah, my council estate is now has now got representation across the whole of America. Amazing. If you think about it, yeah. because of all the stores that the watches are in. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's beautiful what we've been able to do and hopefully continue to do. And do you feel like what, when we talked earlier about you 
you um, growing up in a council state and then you being bullied in school because you came from a council state. When you look at this recent achievement you just you just made at Macy's, um, is part of that kind of that you know you kind of being happy about you you having this collection in Macy's um, for sure regarding the Elmington name. Yeah, is 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 part of that kind of like helping you to kind of get over you know what you went through in the past yeah. i i wasn't necessarily bullied if, with that experience okay. um it was more so they were trying to insult someone else but then i yeah. caught a straight bullet because yeah. it's where i'm from where it's the from. Yeah. State. Yeah. but um i think yeah in terms of the chip on my shoulder yeah yeah like i can hold my chest high yeah if, if you know what i mean yeah knowing knowing that in spite of what everyone has said mm-hmm we've been able to put our our council estate name in the largest store in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that alone is a beautiful statement that I'm I'm able to to say, but I don't think I'll ever lose the chip on my shoulder fully. I, and I don't want to lose it. I think the minute I lose it, I'll lose my edge. <laughs> and I just think I'm super early in the, in the journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of businesses fail after this point, like five years, six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm not going to turn around and say it's been easy. I'm not going to turn around and say it is easy. Yeah. But I, I'm loving the journey and I just want to keep building to higher heights. So, yeah, I don't really have time to dwell on it and, and call my old secondary school people <laughs> and be like, haha, I told you. Like, I just, I really don't have the time to dwell on that energy. Mm. But at the same time, I do like to refer to it and, and think of it so I can still go to the next level because I'm, I'm not content yet. I'm far from content. I'm delighted with with some of the indications towards contentment and some of the things we we have achieved, but I wouldn't say that I am I am content yet. We've got so much more to do. Where does that come from? You just not being content. Um, I I think it comes from the need to do more, to provide for more people, to support more people. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, and I think again back to being young and being exposed to the other world. I just, yeah, I just know I haven't really, I've achieved a lot, but I haven't achieved a lot at the same time. And there's so much more to achieve. So that's where I would say the discontentment comes from. Yeah. And you did, we did talk about earlier on, limitless, no limits, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. no limits. So of course, there's always going to be another level. When you think Facts. you've reached a level, there's always going to be another level that you can get to. Facts. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned in one of the um, videos that you put out, um, five five things you've learned as a ceo and mm. there's one thing that you mentioned in terms of this um entitlement um characteristic um could you could you talk a bit bit about that of course um i think yeah across our generation and i would say yeah i would say and younger as well millennials gen z i think there's sometimes this yeah there is sometimes a nature of entitlement that can creep in mm. and 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 I don't want to talk for everyone. I don't want to label our whole generation as that. That's maybe too extreme. But I can definitely speak for myself and say that when I started the business, there were maybe some elements of entitlement. And I felt like, yeah, just because I started a watch brand, like, why are you not buying my watches? Or, like, there was just elements of that. And then uh, it just dawned on me one day that no one owes me anything. Like, genuinely, no one owes me a thing. Like, even my siblings, my cousins, They've woken up, they've taken <laughs> that shower, they've put on their clothes, yeah. marched themselves to work. Yeah. I have no entitlement over what they do with that money. They've worked hard for it. So I think the minute I dropped entitlement and the expectation that people had to support, that people had to yeah. buy into what I'm building, it it was beautiful because not only did it push me to work harder because I felt like I had to earn the right for them to buy my watches. Yeah. It pushed me to increase the quality of the products our output, our, our drive, it pushed me in all those ways. It, it pushed me and it also enabled me to be more grateful. Because if you're entitled then your brother buys a watch, you're like, yeah, you were meant to do that anyway. Your brother started a business, you were meant to support me. Yeah. Whereas if you drop entitlement and then your brother buys a watch, it's like, whoa, you could have bought any watch in the world. Yeah. You could have bought any watch in the world you've decided to support and buy my watch for various different reasons. I'm really grateful for that. So I think that dropping entitlement really does switch the mindset and it pushes you to work harder and and dive deeper and do more. Absolutely, absolutely. 
William, this has been a powerful conversation. Um, there's so many nuggets and gems that you've dropped and, and just hearing what you've gone through and hearing your success and where you're going to, it's, it's, um, it's, it's really applaudable. So again, well done, well no done problem. to you, brother, for everything you've done. Um, so there's a customary question I like to ask my guests. Um, so I know you recently you, re you relocated to Ghana as well. Mm. Um, so what is the sound of a crowd to you? So when someone, so when, when it, when it comes to mm. the word of crowd, what words, vibes, <laughs> thoughts, feelings come to mind? When you said the sound of a cry the, the, firstly I just thought of chickens in the morning like <laughs> I'm trying to sleep and these guys are shouting the house like shouting the whole area down yeah so I think for me that's that's the initial sound yeah um and for me across a feeling it's it's that sense of belonging that sense of home mm -hmm. the sense of feeling like I'm royalty whenever I land um it's more of a feeling than a sound but yeah the instant sound I think is just the busyness the hecticness the yeah the beauty that is our, our home, that is Accra. Beautiful. And any final thoughts and tips to people or aspiring entrepreneurs that want to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, just start. That, that's the tip I would give. I always give that tip. Um, just get started. I think a lot of people, they dwell on ideas so long that they end up doing nothing. Whereas if you can just do something small, like incremental steps every single day, before you know it, you would have reached that goal that you were trying to reach. So yeah. I would just encourage people to literally just start. That's 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 my word of encouragement to people. That's a fantastic tip. I've, I've heard it goes: you get you know get get started, get good, and then get smart. Kind 100%, of hundred percent, hundred percent. But you got to get started first. Absolutely. Any any announcements you want to make to the audience? Yeah. Um. Everyone who's listened to this podcast um can actually save thirty percent on our site. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. We we'd love to give it we usually limit these discounts so it'll be for the first 10 people okay. who use the code the sound of a craft 30 okay so the sound of a craft 30 mm -hmm. um yeah if you stick that in on vitaylondon.com you'll be able to get 30 percent for the first 10 people fantastic thank you so much for no you know, our listeners william and where can everyone find you and follow with um vita london of yeah course. so um vita london is spelled v-i-t-a-e london mm -hmm. and you can find that across all social media with with that literal handle yeah. and then i'm the same i'm uniform across all social media with my full name william mm -hmm. followed by dwesi a-d-o-a-s-i so yeah hit me up to i'm really active on twitter so yeah if you've got any questions just drop me a tweet yeah and yeah we'll take you from there oh you're very active on twitter <laughs> sure. maybe too active at times <laughs> that's great that's no, great that's great um so yeah william thank you so much for um, coming on the show i've really enjoyed this conversation thank you for having me i appreciate no it, problem so there you have it guys um william Duasi, ceo and founder of vitae london um this is um another episode of the sound of crowd podcast just to let you go just to let you guys know for today's show notes head over to the soundofacrowd.com forward slash william that's w-i-l-l-i-a-m we'll have all the reference the references the links and even the special promo code that William has kindly arranged for you listeners to um, grab a watch like he's wearing today and um, yeah that's it that's all for today guys um, thank you so much for listening I'll see you in the next one thanks so much cheers